Nolstradamus strikes again. Yesterday, the FBI raided Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. And in this case, I truly hate to say, I told you so. This timing was even weirder than you know about <laughs> this. Because I've, I've suggested things like this might happen before, but the timing was really, really weird because I told you so, or more specifically, I told my friend Ali Stuckey so about one hour before the raid took place. Allie and I were here, and Allie was in Nashville. We were filming some stuff. We were discussing whether or not we would bet on Trump winning re-election in 2024. And I said, look, I love the guy. I voted for him twice. If he were the nominee in 2024, I would happily vote for him a third time. I even think most people would vote for him, especially after this terrible administration we've got right now. But I said, I would not bet on Trump winning in 2024. Because, there's just one reason, I am not sure that the powers that be will let him win. Talking about the FBI, the DOJ, the deep state, the crooks who changed all the election rules last time, the big tech cartel, the whole blob. I'm not just talking about Biden or the House Democrats. I'm talking about the whole array of established interests. I just don't know that they will let Trump win whatever the voters want. Okay, when, when we're talking about the liberal establishment, we're talking about groups that have a lot of power, groups that already use that power to rig the election in 2020. I don't see any reason that they wouldn't do it again now that they are even more fully ensconced in power. It's just something about Trump, more so than other Republicans. They just hate this guy. They hate the way that he shakes things up. And I just didn't know if they're going to let him do it. Within an hour of that conversation with Allie, the FBI raided President Trump's home, Mar-a-Lago, reportedly looking for classified documents that he had there. That was, the, that was the presumptive basis for the raid. The FBI, which never raided Hillary Clinton for the 30,000 emails containing classified info that she had on a server at her home. The FBI, which has yet to raid Hunter Biden's home, despite video evidence of him committing national security compromising crimes. That same FBI is now focusing all of its attention on raiding the home of Joe Biden's most prominent and most popular political opponent. Not just a former president, don't forget, the guy who is currently leading in the polls by a long shot for the Republican nomination in 2024, the biggest political threat to Joe Biden. Now, ironically, the raid has a paradoxical effect. On the one hand, it proves my point. It shows that the establishment will do absolutely anything to stop Trump in 2024. On the other hand, it makes Trump's admirers, myself included, even more inclined than perhaps we already were to support him again. Where does that leave us? Does that leave us with Trump 2024? DeSantis 2024? Cruz 2024? Biden 2024? No. It leaves us with a banana republic in 2022 and no end in sight to the corruption. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Michael Owen, who says, this must have been a good episode. YouTube blocked me from watching it. Many such cases, many such stories. 
seems whenever I've got that really good spicy stuff, you know, that, that spicy commentary that kind of cuts past just the left, right, Republican, Democrats that talks about kind of systemic issues, sometimes then, I don't know, it just gets blocked. It's weird. It's weird how that works. When you want to protect yourself from these established powers, when you want to protect your assets, especially if the FBI could illegitimately raid your house, you really got to check out Alto IRA. Right now, go to altoira.com slash Michael. Cryptocurrency may represent the money of the future, especially now that the US dollar is basically not worth the paper that it's printed on. Crypto is one of the most exciting investment opportunities to come around for a long time. But what about taxes? Did you know that you can trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and over 80 other cryptocurrencies in a tax-advantaged IRA? With Alto Crypto IRA, you can avoid or defer the taxes when trading crypto like Bitcoin. Alto offers alternative investment opportunities like private companies, crypto funds, real estate, venture capital, and more. No commissions, no paperwork. You create an account in as little as 10 minutes. You can invest with as little as $10. Through Alto's integration with Coinbase, you get secure trading 24-7, 150 plus available coins on their interface, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. Alto offers industry-leading security, the advanced encryption standard for wallets, and private keys, and alternative investment opportunities through some of the world's most recognized platforms and fund partners. Plus, there are multiple ways to fund your account. You can make a cash contribution, transfer from an existing IRA, roll over an old 401k, open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as 10 bucks. Go to altoira.com slash Michael. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Michael. Start investing in cryptocurrency today. Altoira.com slash Michael. Absolutely crazy news story even though I predicted it, (laughs) even though I said this sort of thing is going to happen because Trump is just different and they hate Trump in a special way. And you're going to see all sorts of political stops, you know, absolutely no holes barred. You're going to see uh, illegal actions. You already have seen illegal actions by these same groups, by the FBI, by the DOJ. Even though I predicted it, it doesn't make it less offensive and less shocking that we're, we're now descended into such banana republic level nonsense that you've got the president sicking the federal government, sicking federal law enforcement on his main political opponent. If this happened in, in Brazil, forget that. If this happened in Syria, if this happened in Iraq, we would, we would say this is illegitimate. This is ridiculous. What a sham democracy they've got in these sorts of places. And now we're seeing it happen in our own country. Pathetic. What was this about? According to the New York Times, according to the the paper of record of the liberal establishment, the raid was focused on material that Trump had brought with him to Mar-a-Lago, his private club and residence. After he left the White House, those boxes contained many pages of classified documents. Oh, he had classified documents in places he shouldn't have had them, like Hillary, like Hillary Clinton on her server, 30,000 emails with classified material. And she just wiped it clean before, before federal law enforcement could find it. Not that, not that federal law enforcement was ever really going to look. Like, kind of like that. By the way, the, the president has the right to declassify whatever he wants. So I, I'm not saying it's, it's right for Trump to take classified material, if that's even what he did. But while he was president, he could have declassified that material. You're telling me the FBI is going to raid the home of a former president and even even more shocking, future presidential candidate, likely future presidential candidate, over the Presidential Records Act? 
That's it? I don't think so. New York Times goes on, Trump also faces a criminal investigation from the Justice Department over alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. There we go. Okay, now we're getting a little more real. They're upset because Donald Trump pointed out that the election was rigged. He just pointed it out. They changed all the election rules right before the election, and they made it much more vulnerable to fraud, even by the standard of Barack Obama. And in some cases, they violated the state constitutions in in different states. Yeah, it was rigged. Duh. Duh. Hello. And everyone knows that. The libs even admitted that they rigged the thing. There was a whole big magazine article afterward, how we rigged the election such that it was more advantageous for Democrats and, and disadvantageous to Republicans. And then when you say right back to them what they just told you, they say, you're not allowed to say that. That's a crazy conspiracy theory. Believe us, don't believe your own lying eyes. Finally, New York Times says, prosecutors have also reportedly asked about Trump's alleged attempt to pressure Vice President Mike Pence to overturn the results of the election. So now Trump isn't even allowed to publicly say that he wants the vice president to invoke a kind of measure that we saw, not that is frequently invoked in American history, but which is not unprecedented to object to the certification of certain slates of electors in the election. We we did see this in the 1870s and And there was a process that came out of that, which uh, is a process that Senator Cruz and Representative Paul Gosar suggested that we have a kind of presidential election commission afterward to analyze the many irregularities that took place in 2020 when they changed all the rules, in some cases illegally. So all that, what that now, that's the, now, so what's the basis for the raid? It's that, or it's the, the fact that he may have had some documents at his home, like Hillary Clinton did, or the fact that he complained about the election. What is it? What is it? As far as I can tell, there are three options here for what this raid is about. There are, th- there are only three. Op- the, the most shallow option is that this was just routine FBI work. This is just routine DOJ, nothing to do with Biden, nothing to do with stopping Trump from running in, tw- in 2024, none of that, right? I think we can dismiss that out of hand. You don't raid the president's home over the stupid Presidential Records Act. Second option here, this is an attempt to kill Trump's candidacy in 2024 in the cradle. This is an attempt to wield federal law enforcement to stop Trump from running in 2024 because the Democrats think that he would beat them and they just simply will not allow him to be president again. And they can't beat him at the ballot box in a fair and square election, so they're gonna just raid his home and try to stop him from running in 2024. Or... There's a third possibility. This is the 4D chess possibility that actually this was an attempt to ensure a Trump candidacy in 2024. That by raiding the home, by targeting Trump, he becomes a martyr. Whatever support other candidates were getting in the Republican Party, now that goes right back to Trump. These Republicans say, we got to double down. If they're going to come after him, he's got to be our nominee. And that in a kind of 4D chess way, that's what the Democrats want because they feel that they can beat him in 2024. Those are the three options. Which do I think is most likely? Number two. I think this, I don't think that the Democrats play 4D chess all that well. Sometimes they do. Sometimes, Sometimes people in politics play 4D chess. But when you're looking at a situation especially where there's so many variables where things can spiral out of control, usually the simpler answer is correct. In this case, the idea that it was just routine FBI work, I think is absurd and not backed up by precedent. The idea that it was 4D chess and they really secretly want to support Trump or what, I don't really buy that. I think 
the established. I think, I think that my thesis from the very beginning was correct, and I think it's being proven more correct every day. The libs simply will not tolerate a, a Donald Trump second term, and they will do everything they can, even if it throws the, the nation into a kind of banana republic status, even if it violates the law, even if it violates all of our political norms, they will do anything it takes. They will use any means necessary to stop Trump 2024. Speaking of killing things, do you have a will? Right now, go to epicwill.com, use code Knowles. The left's persistent and loud attack on the truth is aimed directly at your children. You see it in the public school system. You see it in the mainstream kids entertainment. You see it on social media platforms. Seemingly, all of our nation's cultural institutions have been infiltrated by the left's not-so-secret agenda, as they say, to indoctrinate your kids with anti-religious, anti-American ideologies. They prey on the vulnerability and malleability of your kids' brains, and they seek to warp your kids' understanding of themselves and their environment. There are a lot of ways you can protect your kids from these not-so-secret agendas. You can homeschool, you get them involved in your church, uh, but one of the easiest and simplest ways to protect your kids is to take five minutes tonight and write a will with epic will. A will gives you the power to say who will raise your kids should something, God forbid, happen to you and your spouse. It can, in certain cases, be the only legal defense standing between your kids and the persistent power grabs from the left. Epic will is an online will platform costs less than your next trip to Target. They can set you up with a will in as little as five minutes. Starts at just $119. Plus, you can save 10% when you go to epicwill.com. Use code Knowles. Take five minutes tonight. Write a will ensuring that your kids will be raised the way that you would intend in the event that something happens to you. Go to epicwill.com. Use code Knowles today. New York Times is saying the quiet part out loud on the Trump raid. Breathlessly, they report right as the raid is happening. Headline, quote, If Trump broke a law on the removal of official records, would he be barred from future office? They ask so giddily. You can can just picture the smile on this reporter's, Charlie Savage, on his face, his hands. Oh, goody, goody. Boy, are we going to finally get rid of Trump? Specifically, he writes, the law in question, section 2071 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code, makes it a crime if someone who has custody of government documents or records, quote, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys them. If convicted, defendants can be fined or sentenced to prison for up to three years. In addition, the statute says, if they're currently in federal office, they shall forfeit that office, and they shall be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. Now, Eugene Volokh over at the Volokh Conspiracy has a, a good article on why no Even if Trump were prosecuted for this, even if he were convicted for this, that wouldn't bar him from running for president again. Uh, So worth reading. But the, the libs are clearly trying to push this idea. The Times writes, on its face then, if Mr. Trump were to be charged and convicted of removing, concealing, or destroying government records under that law, he would seem to be ineligible to become president again. The, The only caveat they have here is there was reason for caution, however. The law briefly received a close look in 2015 after it came to light that Hillary Clinton then widely anticipated to be the 2016 Democrat presidential nominee, had used a private email server to conduct government business while Secretary of State. Uh, but, you know, we're going to get rid of that idea. So you, you can see the, the way that the libs are thinking. They're thinking, hmm, this is a really good way to get rid of Trump. 
ooh, yeah, let's use this strange provision of the U.S. code and this ridiculous rule about presidential record keeping. Let's say that that is a way to stop the most popular Republican from becoming the nominee in 2024. Yeah, that'll do it. Oh, shoot. Ah, darn. We already, we already argued against this position when they were going to use it against Hillary Clinton, when Hillary Clinton did at least the very same thing Trump did, if not much worse, because we're talking about 30,000 emails on an unsecured server that's very easily hackable, that's, that almost certainly was hacked by foreign governments. Hmm. Ah, uh, darn. Okay. Well, let's just, let's just float it out there anyway, but darn, we probably can't use it because we made the, the opposite argument last time when Hillary Clinton did the same thing and didn't get raided by the FBI. When in, in almost the same circumstances, when she was the presumptive Democrat nominee, as Trump is the presumptive Republican nominee this time, the only difference is Hillary was never president. Hillary had far less of a right to use these sorts of classified materials than the president had because she was only a secretary of state and, and first lady, former first lady. Really, really dubious stuff. Really banana republic kind of stuff that you see in the New York Times and obviously you're seeing from the FBI. And the whole episode is weird. Not just because of what happened, not just because I predicted it pretty much as it was happening or, or just an hour or so before it actually happened. Really weird because Trump seems to have predicted it. it, it so I got to give a hat tip here to my, uh, my Twitter friend, Eudaimonia, the, uh, the, one of the great pseudonymous Twitter accounts. If you're not following him, you should, referring to the ancient Greek idea of happiness and human flourishing. Um, he, he pointed out that the Truth Social Instagram account had made a series of posts going back, back into July for, for several weeks now, in, w- in which the post was just a picture of Trump from the back, clearly look, with heavy stage lights on him, clearly looking at a crowd, wearing the MAGA hat. It says 45 right there on the MAGA hat. And just right on his back, it says 8-8-2022. So all it is is Trump talking to a live crowd with the presidential hat on, with the date of the FBI raid. It says, join the club to stand up to the tyranny of big tech. Truth social is open. Then some, some of the posts would just say the date. And it cycled through. I think he did four posts like this, at least. Another strange thing about the date. August 8th, 2022, the date of this raid, is the date that Richard Nixon resigned. Richard Nixon whose presidency I think is one of the most misrepresented in American history. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of parallels to the Trump administration, but not in the way that the libs, I, I think, want to present it. The libs want to say Richard Nixon was a crook. He was terrible. He was the most corrupt president ever. And just like Trump, Trump is corrupt and awful, and he should have resigned office too. And they tried to, they tried to impeach uh, Richard Nixon. They did impeach Donald Trump uh, twice. It didn't work. And so those are the perils they want to see. Quite the opposite. Richard Nixon, I think, was actually one of the least corrupt presidents in modern times. Not saying the guy was perfect. The guy had a lot of problems. But what happened? Richard Nixon got up to some campaign shenanigans that he wasn't even aware of. The Democrats have gotten up to much worse campaign shenanigans in pretty much every presidential campaign before Richard Nixon and after Richard Nixon in modern times. And what happened? The deep state undermined the Nixon administration and got him booted out and the squish Republicans went along with it. 
very similar parallels here because Richard Nixon was threatening certain entrenched interests. That's what happened. So 8-8-22. Do you think that the deep state this time was sending a message with that date? Possibly. What was Trump planning to do on that date? Was he planning to announce for, for 2024? And then the FBI raid happens, and so he doesn't announce? I'm not sure. It seems a little early for him to announce a presidential campaign. A lot of people are encouraging him to wait to announce until after the midterm elections. All very, I don't have an explanation for that. I'm just pointing out strange coincidences here. Now, the number two candidate for the presidential nomination in 2024 happens to be the governor of Florida, the state that was invaded by the FBI to raid Donald Trump's house. Ron DeSantis has come out very strongly against the raid. He said, quote, the raid of Mar-a-Lago is another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's political opponents. While people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves, now the regime is getting another 87,000 IRS agents to wield against its adversaries. Banana Republic. I agree with every single word of that. The DeSantis administration says they did not have any advance warning of this FBI raid. And uh, so he's coming out very strongly to defend Trump. Notice though, he doesn't defend Trump by name here. He doesn't even use the phrase Mar-a-Lago. He actually just abbreviates it M-A-L. Maybe that's because of the uh, character limits on Twitter. And he tweeted it out from his personal Twitter account. So he didn't tweet it out from the governor's account, which uh, to me implies that there won't be any legal action taken to, to try to punish the FBI for this raid, which I think was obviously illegitimate. So he's saying, I'm with you guys. This is awful. This is terrible. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for my personal account. Because obviously, uh, DeSantis and Trump are, are big political rivals right now. If Trump runs in 2024, the odds that DeSantis becomes the nominee are very low. If Trump does not run in 2024, right now, DeSantis is le- the leading candidate. Things can change. It's very early in the cycle. In every other presidential cycle, the candidates who were leading at this time did not end up becoming the nominee. But it's possible. He's got a, a very strong position. He's done a great job as governor of Florida. So DeSantis is in this impossible position. He doesn't want to help out his political rival, but he shares a lot of the same base as Donald Trump. And the FBI raid was just so obviously corrupt and illegitimate that he's got to come out against it because he's, he's the tough conservative fighter candidate. So he's trying to balance all these competing interests. Then on the other hand, you got the court jesters. You got the squishes who love this. The people who have hated Trump from the beginning, they absolutely love this. Even, unfortunately, the court jester group even includes people who have worked for Trump. This woman who I had never heard of until it was announced she's going to come onto The View. as She's going to be the new fake Republican on The View. Her name is Alyssa Farah Griffin. And she worked for Trump. And then she totally squished out and condemned Trump and whined and cried and sucked up to the liberal establishment. She came out after this ridiculous raid, this, this absolute banana republic lawlessness from Biden. She tweets out, totally what you would expect. She says, the inflammatory rhetoric coming from some on the right this evening is frightening. It's from the right. Not that the, the Biden administration is weaponizing the FBI to invade his, for, his predecessor and current political rival's home. That's not what's frightening. No, not that the Biden administration just hired 87,000 IRS agents to, to go after you. No, no, no. That's not what's frightening. What's frightening is the rhetoric from people on the right people like Michael Knowles and the Daily Wire. That's so frightening. This, and, and probably she's referring to Trump and Ron DeSantis and a lot of the rest of the people on the right. She says, 
elected officials especially need to tone down the rhetoric and let the facts play out in this environment. Words matter so much. No, you know what I think matters more? Power. I don't think the words matter. I don't think that the libs made a good argument with words as to why they need to uh, raid the homes of their political rivals. I think they just had the power to do it and they wielded that power. And and now the role of conservatives is to resist that and to hopefully win and get some power back for ourselves. And the role of court jester conservatives like Alyssa Griffin, Alyssa, whose, whose job it is to just go out there and do a little dance for the liberal establishment and pretend to be opposition, and then at the crucial moments fall back and concede the point. To, to lose with dignity, even though these people have absolutely no dignity whatsoever. That's their job. They're worse than the libs. The libs, at least I know where I stand. The libs I know are going to raid my home and wield political power as best they can and try to undermine my, my elected officials. And I, I know what I'm getting with the libs. These people, though, they're just absolute rats. They're just rats. They're just, they have no loyalty to anybody other than trying to get a few crumbs from the largesse of the liberal table. That's what they want. It's pathetic. It's disgusting. It's very, very shameful. If you have not heard already, The Daily Wire is now the sixth largest podcast publisher in the country. We are ahead of the Walt Disney Company. Add to that the launch of Daily Wire Plus, the signing of Jordan Peterson, the documentaries, the movies, the kids' content. Things are getting busy around here. To keep up, we are actively hiring for our marketing team in Nashville. We're looking for social media coordinators, email marketers, art directors, everything in between. If you have experience in marketing, we want to hear from you. Head on over to dailywire.com careers. Check out our current openings and apply. Dailywire.com careers. Speaking of political rhetoric, heated up rhetoric, the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, is really ratcheting up the rhetoric against the illegal aliens who are showing up in his sanctuary city. It's a little strange, right? He's got a sanctuary city. He and the rest of the Democrat New Yorkers talk a great game about how happy they are. They love getting all of those illegal immigrants. The illegal immigration is our strength. Bring on the diversity. It's not a lot of diversity. They're all coming from the same three countries illegally. But no, that's wonderful. We need to flood the country with all these people. Just not in my city. Just not, just not in my backyard. Eric Adams says this is horrific when you think about what Governor Abbott in Texas is doing. Unimaginable. It's unimaginable what the governor of Texas has done. When you think about this country, a country that's always been open to those who are fleeing persecution, what is the governor of Texas doing? He's not turning the people away. He's not turning the countless illegal aliens showing up across the border away, the two million plus that we're getting now every year. He's actually welcoming them. He's giving them a free bus ticket. He's giving them stuff and he's saying, hey, look, we don't, we're not a sanctuary state. We, don't, we still believe in the laws of the United States passed by the people's representatives. But there are places in America that don't care at all about the laws passed by the American people's representatives. And they, they, they want all these illegal immigrants to come. So, hey, we're going to give you a free ticket. We're going to pay for it. Give you a ticket, send you up to that sanctuary city, New York. Eric Adams says, this is horrific. Why is it horrific? Governor Abbott is giving you exactly what you want, exactly what you say that you want, but you don't really want. You want illegal aliens 
for the red states. You don't want the illegal aliens for your blue city. Huh, it's weird. Why is that? Why is it that illegal aliens are our strength? They're a great benefit, net contributors to the American economy and society in red states, but their arrival in New York is horrific and unimaginable. It doesn't make, oh, oh, unless it is the case that there are two separate tiers here, two separate standards, two separate systems, and the uh, the Republicans, it's really good when the illegal aliens shows up to the Republican states because that weakens those states and gives Democrats more power. And it's really bad when they show up to the Democrat states because actually illegal immigration is a net negative for everybody. And the Democrats don't want them to show up to their backyard because then they're going to have to expend resources. They're going to see increases in crime. They're going to see increases in welfare dependency. They're going to see strains on their resources. All the stuff that the Republicans had to deal with, which the Democrats celebrated. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not in my backyard. It was even more ridiculous when you tuned into CNN, which I know you did not. I did not either, but I saw this clip going around. Murad Awada. Murad Awada is an immigration activist who appears on CNN, and he is furious. He is absolutely furious that the governor of Texas is bussing the migrants on Texans' own dime to the sanctuary cities. The city is estimating that some 4,000 asylum seekers have arrived in the city, gone into New York's shelter system since late May. Do you agree with the mayor that these migrants are being forced to New York? Asylum seekers have really um, already made a dangerous trek, some over 3,000 miles on foot to get to the southern border, and then are being bused almost 2,000 miles to New York City. I think that the uh, bigger piece here is ensuring that we see the humanity in people. Uh, folks who are seeking asylum at our southern border are fleeing violence. They're fleeing persecution, impacts of climate change. No one leaves their home because they feel safe. So it's really important that this country, a country of immigrants, uh, continues uh, to welcome folks um, and abide by its humanitarian uh, you know, values. It's really important that we welcome folks, just not here. (laughs) It's just really awful what they're doing in Texas, sending these immigrants to New York. If you you just listen to that clip, you don't see what's on the wall directly behind him. Uh, To his left, right behind him, on the right of the screen, you see a sign that says, no raids, no wall, New York is for all. (laughs) And then on the left of the screen, you see no hate, no fear. Immigrants are welcome here. And both signs say New York City. New York City right underneath. (laughs) Except for these immigrants. They got to stay in Texas. It's because it's so important to welcome them in Texas. And not in New York. New York is for all except for the immigrants that are being bused from Texas. We don't, please keep them in Texas. Therefore, no hate, no wall. Send them back to Texas. All of them. Send all of them back. It's just total NIMBY. It's just total not in my backyard. And it gives away the whole game. Now, as I said earlier, the libs are not really interested in having these reasoned debates. I think we're kind of past that. I think I think when the federal government sicks its private police on the political opponents and raids their homes, I think we're kind of past the polite c- civil dialogue part of politics. So it's, it's not as though you're going to be able to make this argument and say, see, you're hypocrites. And the Democrats will say, by golly, you're right. Oh, okay, I've got to change my policies now. They don't care. It's just, it is just pure 
club our opponents over the head, kind of bare knuckle personal interest politics that we're seeing from the left right now, okay? But it is worth pointing out, one, for the Republicans to see what we're really dealing with, and, and two, most importantly, for the centrists and the squishes and the people who just don't think very much about politics because they got other things going on and they pay attention to their families and they got their job and their heads and their noses aren't in the political reports and political philosophy all the time, as is often the case for those those people who listen to this show, who are, who are more high information voters, all right? It's important for the, the lower information voters to see what's really going on here. Oh, the illegal immigration thing that the Democrats push, it's not about compassion. It's not about helping people. It's not about our traditions or our strength or who we are. It's just about power. Oh, the hatred against Donald Trump. And it's not about Trump's unique threat to America and the unique crimes that he's, it's just, it's just that he was threatening the established order. And so it's just about power. Okay, that's what it is. The, the reason they go after Trump in particular, to kind of circle back to this, is a, a lot of people think that Trump won the election in spite of his policies because of his rhetoric. Because he talked really mean and funny, and he had these big rallies that were, was really show busy, and that's why he, he won the election, not because of his policies. Obviously, he's funny. He's a captivating figure. He's a celebrity for 40 years. So that plays some role in, in his campaign. But I actually think it was kind of the opposite. The people that I talk to will say, you know, I really love Trump's policies. I really love his approach. I just wish he would shut up sometimes. I just wish he would tone it down on Twitter sometimes. That's, that's much more what I heard than the opposite. I, I don't know that I met anybody, any actual person. I know this phenomenon was described on CNN and in the New York Times and even on some, some squish platforms on the right. I know that what they would say is, you know, the, the reason people vote for Trump, they actually, they hate his policies or they don't care about his policies. They just love when he talks about Mika Brzezinski's face. Yeah, that's what it's all about. But when you talk to actual Trump voters, I don't know, I've spoken to a lot of them. I am a, tr- a Trump voter myself. That's not what they said. At least seven times out of 10, what they said is, yeah, he's got to cool it. He's got to lay off that Twitter man a little bit. You know, he's got to pick his battles a little more, but man, I love his policy on trade. You know, I, I just, I really love his approach to foreign trade and his approach to China, which is America first. I really love his approach to immigration. What did they chant at the rallies? Build the wall, build the wall. Trump offered different policies than the other candidates did. There were what, 16, 17 candidates on that stage in 2016. Trump offered different policies. Pretty much all the other candidates were pro-free trade all the time, open up global markets, no thought at all to American manufacturing or American industry. Trump, pretty much alone, said, nah, we need to bring industry back here. We need to bring manufacturing back here. We need to institute tariffs. We need to get really tough on trade imbalances. And uh, all the other Republicans pulled their hair out over that. They said, what are you talking about? For the last 10 years, our party line has been free trade, even though actually the Republican Party was founded on tariffs, was founded on protectionism, even though Abraham Lincoln said, give me a tariff, I'll give you the strongest country in the world, even though actually the issue of trade and tariffs and protectionism is a little more complicated than the liberal establishment lets on. Trump offered a different option. How about on immigration? Some Republicans made some intimations that they would get tough on immigration. None of them spoke as bluntly as Trump, and none of them proposed as radical a a proposal as Donald Trump did, which is build a big, beautiful wall and deport all the illegals. Unfortunately, he didn't end up fulfilling a lot of that, and in, in many ways, he was hampered by the deep state, even if he had wanted to do such a thing. But he was offering a different approach to immigration on policy, not just on rhetoric. 
And I think that is why the powers that be, and I'm not just talking about Biden, I'm talking about the big corporations, and I'm talking about the entrenched ideological interests in the universities, in our educational system. I'm talking about the big tech cartel. I'm talking about the Chamber of Commerce. I'm talking about all of these groups. They oppose Trump because he was offering a different set of policies from, from what is called the uniparty. Isn't it kind of weird? The, the Democrats win, the Republicans win. No matter who wins, the same sorts of problems get worse. When you think, of, especially on the social issues, the kind of crazy sexual decadence that we're at now, where we're trancing little kids. No matter who wins, the Democrats win, the Republicans win, and it always just kind of, it's, on immigration. The Democrats win, the Republicans win, we get more and more and more immigration. Legal, illegal, all the same. Republicans win, Democrats win, we outsource more and more jobs. We lose more and more industry. We change our economy more and more. It's just, it's, that's weird. That's weird that that happens. And then you get this wrecking ball who shows up named Donald Trump. And you can, you can totally understand how powerful entrenched interests would say, nope, not going to let that happen. We might let a Bush win every now and again. We ain't letting that guy win. Not again. Uh-uh. Which paradoxically has the effect of getting people to support him more. I, I don't make primary endorsements. I just don't think that's my position here on the show. Rush Limbaugh didn't make primary endorsements. I don't make primary endorsements. I think the, my job here on the show is to present to you the facts as I see them laid out in the field, let people sort of make up their own mind. Uh, however, I will tell you this. I, I love the GOP field right now. I love Trump. I think DeSantis is the best governor, certainly right now, maybe of my lifetime. And, you know, I'm a huge supporter of Senator Cruz. And there are other candidates in the, in the potential GOP field that, that I, I like and, and could support. The raid on Mar-a-Lago makes me more inclined to support Trump, even though the raid on Mar-a-Lago tells me he's less likely to win the general. Paradoxically, it makes me more inclined to support him in a primary because I think, no, no, you guys don't get away with this. You don't get to do this, okay? I, I think that's true of a lot of Republicans. I, I took a very scientific Twitter poll last night. I said, does this make you more or less likely to support Trump? Two-thirds of people said much more likely. Of course. Now, again, maybe for DHS, that's what the Democrats want. I don't know. All I know is we are in uncharted territory right now. We're in uncharted territory in a whole lot of ways. There's a story out of California from the state senator, Scott Weiner, who is one of the biggest degenerates in American politics. I mean, this guy is the poster child of American political degeneracy. This guy came to uh, prominence a couple of years ago because he sponsored a bill called SB 145, which was a bill to weaken punishments for pederasts, for grown men who have sex with little boys it would weaken the punishments or it would give judges more discretion to weaken the punishments. And I looked at that bill. When someone told me about that bill, I said, that sounds like a crazy right-wing conspiracy theory. Then I looked it up and it, it was true. And they made all sorts of arguments. You'll see PolitiFact, Snopes, all these groups, they, they make all these sorts of fact-check arguments. They say, no, actually, the purpose of this bill was to, to uh, create equality for homosexuals and heterosexuals in the sentencing of statutory rape. And it's all, it's actually about equality. What's the practical effect of the bill? This guy actually came out, proposed a bill. He said, we need to go a little lighter on the pederasts. That's what it actually did. You can't fact check me on that because that is the fact. 
That is 100% true. Not in any way false, not in any way misleading. That's just what the bill did. And that this guy, Scott Weiner, nature is but art unknown to thee, chance direction which thou canst not see. What a name, Scott Weiner. That he makes that his bill. Just a couple of days ago, Scott Weiner furthered his degenerate profile by describing all of the sex parties that go on among his friends, his constituency, and how that's going to keep happening whether you get monkeypox or not. He says, if people want to have sex, they're going to have sex. I know people who normally go to sex parties who will not now, you know, maybe for a little bit, uh, people who will make their own decisions about their own risk levels. He was talking about the San Francisco uh, Gay Fetish Festival that just occurred, that occurred even though there's a gay orgy disease called monkeypox going around. He said, I know someone who was working the door at one of the sex parties the weekend of this festival, and the attendance was down by 50%. And I've heard uh, that about some other sex parties as well. So my takeaway here, these parties should not exist. They should be shut down. (laughs) These festivals should be shut down, especially when there's a gay orgy box going around. But my other takeaway is, what level of depravity has our country sunk to that a sitting state senator can just speak casually about his friends just going to orgies and sex parties. Oh yes, look, I've got some friends. I've got a friend who works at the sex parties. This is so, this should be so shameful that any man who, like this, who even knows people who goes to these parties would never admit it in public. Or any man who does admit this kind of deviancy and degeneracy would never show his face in public. This guy should be on the absolute fringes of society. He should be able to say these things at the most in little dark alleys next to seedy movie theaters. Instead, he's doing it from the halls of the state capitol in California. That is a major change. This sort of thing would have been unthinkable 10 years ago, five years ago. Things are accelerating quickly. Speaking of a, a really, really degenerate culture, there is a horrifying story that just came out of Georgia. The story is that two homosexual men have been charged with using their adopted children to record child pornography. Uh, these guys are William and Zachary Zulock. They have the same name. I assume they're not brothers, so I don't know what the, one of the other guy. One guy took the other guy's name, I guess. Uh, they adopted two kids, and then they used the kids to make child pornography. Not the first time we've heard this story. This story, even though gay marriage has not existed as a concept for more than seven years, really, and not at the national level, even though gay adoption is, a very, is still illegal in a whole lot of places, and it's a very novel concept, we, we keep hearing these stories. It's kind of weird. There's another story. They, they tell you these stories, they don't happen. It's one in a bazillion. Well, I don't know. There's another story came around uh, from uh, uh, Queensland. Uh, this story, uh, oh gosh, this is awful. The headline is in Yahoo News. Uh, he was a child star, but for all the wrong reasons, he made his debut at just 22 months old, not for a toy store advertisement or even a family-friendly PG film. This was for hardcore global pornographic syndication. He was filmed being sexually abused by his adoptive parents, quote unquote, and at least eight other pedophiles in Australia, France, Germany, and the United States. Uh, His horrific introduction to the insidious world of pedophilia dated back to 2005 when his Russian mother sold him for $8,000 to a member of Boy Lovers, a sophisticated global network of men whose sexual preference for boys aged between six and uh, eight years old. 
the boy was adopted, quote unquote, by American Mark J. Newton, who lived in Brisbane, and his Australian boyfriend, Peter Trong. Now, what's really crazy about this story is that there had previously been a puff piece about this couple, a puff piece about how wonderful it was that they adopted this boy. Because back, this is 2013 now, the idea of gay adoption was really pretty much unthinkable at that point. And so there was this big puff piece being pushed by the liberal media to say, look, they've overcome so many obstacles, legal and social, to finally have their fulfillment to, to adopt their child and form this family despite the constraints of nature and society. That, that article is even referenced in this, in this uh, article on their crimes. Look how it turned out. Look how it turned out. Didn't turn out great. The conclusion from this, and I know a lot of squishes aren't going to want to say it. Homosexual adoption is a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea, and it's, I think, just simply unsupportable. You can't, it's, it's just unacceptable. For, not because every kid who's adopted by homosexuals is going to be abused. I don't think that's the case. We are seeing a lot of stories like this. It's pretty weird. But that's, that's, that's not even the base reason why. The base reason why is that men and women are different. And little, I got a little baby at home right now. Let me tell you something. Little baby reacts very differently to mama than he does to daddy. Even my older son, who is a little bit older than the newborn, reacts very differently to mommy than he does to daddy. Wants different things from mommy. Wants to, because men and women are different. If you believe that men and women are different, I don't see how you can support homosexual adoption because men and women have different things to offer. And when we're talking about adoption, especially when we're talking about conception, especially when we're talking about an issue like surrogacy or all these other issues that keep coming up, all we ever talk about now are the rights of the, the right of these men to have a child. These men don't have a right to have a child. They can't have a child together. There's a very natural scientific basis for why they can't have a child together. And now they're trying to circumvent that nature through this radical social engineering, and things don't turn out very well. The only people who we ever talk about as having rights in these cases are the, are the couples and the couples and their deep desire to have a child. You don't have a right to have a child. I know it can be hard for people who, especially people who struggle with infertility, or I'm sure it's very hard for homosexuals too, who have a natural desire to have a child. That's a natural thing to want but you don't have a right to a child. Sweet little Lisa and I even dealt with what, what seemed like infertility for quite some time. We didn't get our first kid right away. I, I can tell you, at least from a couple years experience, I know, I know how intense that pain can be, but you do not have a right to a child. You don't. The only person who can be said to have any rights when we're talking about procreation, when we're talking about adoption or anything like that, the only person who can be said to have any rights is the child. A child has a right to his natural mother and father, conceived in the act of, in the conjugal act between his parents in a marriage. Marriage, which is the lifelong bond between a man and a woman for the sake of the generation and education of children. That's what it's for. And when you start tinkering with that, things go really, really awry. The, the inability of these two men to have a child is a kind of so it's a, it, it, I'm sure it was a pain. I mean, these, these guys are just absolute criminals who are, are going to rot. But for, for other people, it, it is, a, is a pain. 
Pain is not always a bad thing. Pain is not an evil thing. Suffering is not exactly an evil thing. It's kind of just a fact of life. What is, determines good or evil is how you react to pain, how you react to suffering. Sometimes pain can be even a good thing because it tells you that you should maybe alter your behavior. When you put your hand on the hot stove burner and it hurts, that pain tells you, okay, I got to take my hand away. There are all sorts of, when you're in a, a rut in your life, you feel a kind of pain that tells you you've got to change certain things. All sorts of personal behaviors. When you feel a kind of pain, you're drinking too much, whatever, you've got to change that behavior. Unfortunately, in our therapeutic culture and in our culture that establishes the domination of technology to break off all natural constraints, all we tend to do is numb the pain. So you're, you're in a rut in your life, well, just take a bunch of depression drugs. And then that's not solving the problem. That's not encouraging behavior that's more conducive to human flourishing. It's just kind of numbing the pain a little bit. You don't change a damn thing. That is a much, and it goes even beyond sex. It goes even beyond questions of adoption. It goes down to a, a fundamental issue of how we as human beings react to one another and to our society and to technology. We seem to be entering into a brave new world. You know, there are two very famous dystopian novels about, written in the 20th century about the future. 1984 by George Orwell and Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And 1984 says that the tyrannical government's just going to beat you with a stick all the time. Brave New World says the tyrannical government is going to ply you with drugs and sex and promiscuity and all sorts of pleasures. Both are going to make you into slaves. We're getting a little bit of both in our society today. It's clearly, clearly accelerating on the personal front, on the cultural front, on the destruction of the family, and ultimately on the political front too. The powers that be are sicking federal law enforcement on their political opponents. Things happen slow and gradually, and they can happen really, really fast. We might be in the fast stage. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022.